welcome to Slacker Moto Radio with Brad and Addison. Based out of the Pacific Northwest, we're talking motorcycles and the motorcycle community, and we're excited to have this hour with you. Here we go. Welcome back, Slackers. Brad, how the heck are you? I am doing good. Coming back from a little bit of vacation uh, and into the new year. I can't complain too much, really. Uh, how's Addison doing? Oh, I'm doing well. I'm glad to be back as well. I think it's, uh, you know, it's a new year. We're kind of a new year, a new game. We're going to change when we release these. We're going to try some new things. I think this is going to be a big year for us. In fact, that's kind of our topic. It's not necessarily big year for us, but what we what we expect out of 2020 and what our predictions will be. I said 2020, but you know it is 2021. Everybody's gonna be pissed that I just said 2020. I can't believe you. <laughs> no, after everything that happened last year, I can't even get over it. But uh, I'm I'm excited. It's it's new year, new us. Well, same us, just new new plans. Well, you know, if you make any resolutions, you could be a new you. That, uh, I guess every day you're a new you, right? Yeah. Yeah. Start every day fresh, but I digress. So, uh, what did you work on over the last couple of weeks, uh, over the last week or so? What, any, any projects, any, anything going on with the gladiator build? What's going on? Yeah. Over the last little while, I ended up working on a, a few things. Got, uh, a little bit of work on the gladiator. I actually went back to the old JT one, the, uh, little 60 cc yamaha mini bike uh spent some time on that yeah finally got the the frame i kind of had to re re blast it and coat or uh prep it and then actually got some paint on the frame i got that all done kind of got sick of seeing it i had it all wrapped nicely but there was obviously still a little i don't know it didn't show there was no visible rust i just didn't trust it so started over again because that's how i am um i know (laughs) My brain lets the worst uh, creep in, so had to re reclean it and re reprep it so that I could paint it. Couldn't just paint it as it sat. Um, got that done. Got uh, got some work done on the. Uh, got some orders placed for the gladiators. Probably the best way to describe where I'm at with that. Did a nice. little bit of work on, okay. on metal shaping, but getting the electronics set up, uh, a new new uh, regulator rectifier, and a new stator. And then also getting everything prepped, got the order set up, but I have to place it for exhaust pipes, going to do my own pipes. So um, going through Cone Engineering's got a pretty good option for piece part items. You can uh, you can weld together and kind of create the pipe from that in the right diameter, already mandrel bent real nice. Um, don't have really the means to to bend the pipe I want. So I'll buy the different pieces, cut them and, and weld them where I need to make the pipe I want. Nice. And, uh, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been good prep for that. Kind of everything's been going back to normal. Had to wait till after, after some Christmas spending to, to drop a little cash on that and get that all ordered. So things should start arriving, but it seems everything's a little, a little slower than it used to be. Yeah. So what is, what size exhaust are you going to be running up back? Uh, so I'll go inch and a half to 1.825 uh, or 875. Okay. And I said out the back, but what is, uh, or do you even want to disclose how you're going to route that? I think that's pretty critical as far as the aesthetics are concerned. Yeah. Initial plan is to go kind of 
well, so it'll be two two into one. It'll collect into one under the engine and then out to uh, to uh, the muffler. I'm still kind of I'm between a few mufflers, so I haven't quite figured out what I want to do between sound and visual. The muffler is kind of a big choice, so we'll see. Okay, interesting. So you decided to go into a single exit exhaust. Yeah, two into one sounds great. Okay, I just curious. That's a sound choice, and and likely it'll give you know a little more power. But again, we're talking a a GL five hundred, so I don't think that matters. Quite frankly, it's not. Well, it's going to give you low end. So I I think it depends on how you look at it, right? Sure. Because if you want to open it up for horsepower, you'd have it opened up. But that doesn't always mean the best uh, results for low end torque and uh, just setting off the line and such. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It does need to be, um, I guess, planned, not necessarily designed, but but planned to uh, to work with the engine characteristics and the those GLCX the the 500 twisted twin isn't uh, isn't really a high revving engine. I mean, it's higher revving than a handful of of V twins, but it's not like you know, it's not a, a four cylinder sport bike. So I don't need the the wide open exhaust horsepower at the top end of the rev range. I'd prefer a little low end grunt. Sure. Sure. No, I'm looking forward to seeing how you do that. I know it'll be nice. It should be, uh, yeah, should be fun. Kind of got some things rolling on that, but that's still uh, a work in progress still. But got some of the the pending tasks that needed to be done quickly in the garage um, that took way too long to do. Got those done, shelved, out of the way. Um, I guess, yeah, you asked kind of what else. We've got a new studio here in the shop. Nice. Um, got everything cleaned up and moved and a new bench, uh, kind of a nice new seat in the shop for, uh, for the podcast here. So I can start having guests and, and doing a lot more around the bikes down in the shop. So that'll be really cool. Kind of spent some time getting that prepped and ready as well as cleaning up and creating kind of the machining center side, uh, organizing the garage. A lot of, uh, a lot of my time spent out there this over the, I guess we'll call it the break, um, was organizing and setting up the shop in a way that, that it should be significantly more usable. Well, I figured you had enough bikes that you'd just have people sit on a bike and, and do the podcast that way, but you decided to buy a bench. <sighs> okay. Now that did look nice. I haven't been over, you know, you, you know how you are with your COVID stuff. So I just, uh, I saw some pictures, looked good though. Looked real nice. Yeah. It's just a nice, uh, simple commercial grade pleather, bench it's nothing nothing special but uh you know with with all the covid going on number of businesses are going out of business unfortunately so i kind of took advantage of one of those and grabbed a bench from their showroom no it looked real good yeah i've still got that jeep bench seat you know if you ever need more so we got we got that going you'll have to bring that by <clears throat> i know i know so for the last couple of weeks for me not near as much uh motorcycle uh progress i guess i did uh get the head started cleaned out cleaning that up cleaned up the valves i gotta do the grind work on just uh seating the valves and uh, get that together replace the valve stem steels uh, as well so i'm looking forward to finish that up i know we've got a, a deadline kind of set maybe for uh going out and riding with the, the guys on some uh out in what is it central oregon northern central oregon so um, plan on uh, trying to get that finished up. But the big news for me, I guess, was getting uh, some power out to my 20 by 40 carport. So uh, I don't have lights 
quite yet, but I do have a 100 amp panel out there now that's all ready to be plumbed into and start getting some stuff going so I can actually see out there. This time of the year, it just sucks. It's dark so quick. So that was pretty exciting. So that was worth the, the Saturday getting it in. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I think uh, setting up your carport for, for some work is uh, is the right choice, man. You got to get that bike done. Yeah, well, I've got a little room that I can work on the bike, but it'd be a lot nicer if I had more than one outlet in uh, in all of this. You know, I think I've got about a thousand square feet that has one outlet. So uh, that's including the room off the back. So it'd be nice to have something a little bit better, right? So I'm working towards it. Uh, so over the next couple of weekends, I'll keep on adding to it, getting it going. Yeah, that'll be that'll be super nice when you're finished. I think uh, I think you're. You headed in the right direction for your shop there. Now, I I got to say, I imagine you'll probably finish that this year, right? What's that? The shop? The car? Yeah, I think you'll get the, the lights plumbed, the bike fixed. Is that uh, is that part of your 2021 prediction? You, you know, you could say that. Yeah, definitely the bike's going to get done. I'll get it back together, see if there's anything else going on that I just didn't know when I pulled it apart. But I'm pretty positive that what I've taken care of was the, the issue. Um, so I'll have a little bit of a break in with a new cam, but n- nothing too bad. Uh, and definitely I'm going to have lights, um, and some outlets. Now I don't know, I, I should have a lot of it done throughout the year. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That'll be a prediction for me as far as uh, home projects are concerned. I mean, do you have a prediction for yourself or should I, should I guess that on yours? Uh, by the end of this year, we'll have uh, a couple of new toys floating in the shop. The, the gladiator and the JT one will both be done. Okay. Okay. Now the JT one's easier. I mean, that, that's pretty simple. It's more or less a, a, a restoration of sorts. It's not uh, not as much custom work. So that'll be that'll be easy. Just a matter of doing it. But I got to get the Gladiator off the bench before I have room to to put all that back together. And that one's pretty much prepped and lined up on on shelves, ready to just be assembled. So now, now can I assume is there going to be a new track bike this year? Yeah. I... <laughs> I wish. Um, <laughs> I don't know that there's going to be a, a new one just due to everything going on and the expense of having that new track bike. Um, I will say, you know, this is a, a prediction discussion we're, we're having, but one of the goals I've got is to get out to a, a three three track days this year. So, well, that's a pretty good aspiration. I know of two pretty clearly that, that are pretty darn likely going to happen. The third, I may just roll into actually going to Moto America, not necessarily running the track, but watching others do it. Sure. Um, as long as that opens up, right? We still have the Northwest is still pretty shut down out here. So that's like one of two Moto America venues that isn't selling tickets yet because they're not sure they will be able to. Yeah. Um, but I have to assume by, I think that's uh, June. I have to assume by the end of June, uh, that will be available hopefully <laughs> and that'll be the third one there but but we'll see um so there'll be more track time I, it'll likely be on uh on the street triple i don't know that i'll have another or a different bike by then i'm looking forward to seeing what you end up doing there i know that the more track days that you go to the more likely that um, i could predict that you will be buying a new motorcycle that for sure <laughs> yeah we'll see so I'll throw that in the predictions. I predict that Addison is going to buy a new motorcycle this year. 
a new motorcycle or new to me? It doesn't have to be brand new. New All motorcycle right. to you. That's more reasonable. I might even say two. I'm going to say two motorcycles. <laughs> if yeah. I look at last year, and if you at least maintain the same amount of purchases as you did last year, with me being so vague, I think that I might actually do okay on this one. Yeah, that's probably fair. That's less than last year's total. Yes, yes. So I'll say Addison's going to buy two motorcycles. But enough about us. I mean, what do you think the industry's going to do? Yeah, so uh, that that's a good question. So we'll get into it here. Uh, my big prediction, I guess we'll, we'll just lead off with the big one, because why not? Uh, my <laughs> big prediction for the year is I think sales and registration of motorcycles so the motorcycle market in the u.s and worldwide if we're talking about it but worldwide didn't didn't do so differently this year anyway but i think uh, i guess last year but this year i think it's going to do well and obviously it'll do better than 2020 i don't think there's really any doubt in that but i think it's going to do well to the point of being notably well uh, significantly well but i also for some reason, I think that the industry is still going to cry wolf that they're not selling bikes. Oh, that's interesting. So how how do you how do you? I mean, if they're selling bikes, how do you cry wolf and say that they're not selling bikes? I mean, that, that's what I'm trying to understand in your prediction. So, yeah, and we've talked about this in other in other episodes, kind of generically in the past. But for years now, the market's done better year over year. Uh, obviously, 2020 is a, an example where that's that's the exception to the rule. But prior to that has been doing better and better, but it just never caught up to the pre-2010 peak that the industry was at. So, you know, the, the industry's down, the industry's down. That's all we've really heard. Uh, it hasn't been quite as loud as, as it was right after 2010, obviously. But that's kind of what we continue to hear. But in reality, it was moving in the right direction. It just never hit the peak of uh, 2010. So I foresee that we will have... an a year over year change, obviously from 2020, that's, that's an obvious and easy prediction as far as I'm concerned, but I think it will be better than 2019's numbers, but we'll still continue to talk about how the industry is down. Yeah. And I don't have a lot of the information for uh, 2020. I, I don't have any of it. We saw a lot and we've talked about how used bike sales were up and that a lot of people were out purchasing motorcycles in that regard. Now, I, I don't know how that panned out for the entire year, but I'm actually going to kind of, I don't know, I'm really feeling like that 2021 is going to be about the same as 2020. And, and, and let me explain this a little bit. One, we've, we've got all these people that just bought used motorcycles. I continue to see the used motorcycle market to be quite, um, maybe not lucrative, but busy that we're still going to be seeing a lot of uh, used bikes being traded hands. We're going to see some new motorcycle sales, uh, definitely, especially as manufacturing is able to increase. But there's still a little bit of hesitation in certain areas, depending on where you look um, globally, that um, may be just coming into having the effects of COVID really um, play out. So, I anticipate that that yeah, there's going to be some sales and that it might be might be okay, but I think it's actually going to be about the same. You got a lot of guys that bought bought motorcycles, bought used bikes, bought something to get by, and there's not really an incentive to do more. Now, we we additionally potentially have, um, as far as the political um, uh, side is concerned, that there's the potential for 
um, additional stimuluses. So we received one last year. We received another one at the end of the uh, 2020. And there's talks of another one in 2021. So, I mean, there's a potential that, uh, depending on the size of these, that people might have the money to go out and buy a sub $8,000 motorcycle relatively easily with a low um, uh, a low interest or a low uh, principal loan. But um, I don't know how that's really going to play out. I think that that's just going to make it even more difficult to find a used motorcycle. So I don't think that we're going to be able to track how well uh, 2021 does for motorcycle sales. And that would be my prediction. No, I'm shocker, but I disagree. I, you know, I, I've seen more riders, I think, and I, we don't have registration data, so I'm not entirely sure where it was as well on, on 2020, but it would seem based on my eye and, and watching the used market that we have more used bikes sold based on talking to people and understanding where everyone's at, at least within the groups that I, I communicate with. We had a lot of people getting their endorsements. We had a lot of people learning to ride, maybe even sometimes without endorsement in their learning and practicing, or at least getting an interest to riding in 2020, just due to the fact that it was one of the few normal, you know, COVID safe activities, right? Nobody would give you any guff if you went and traveled via motorcycle, at least in the US. I know there's other places that there were limits on the distance you could go and things like that. But in the US, you know, if you were riding by motorcycle, nobody was worried about it. You had a helmet on, you were wearing a mask all the time, right? You're you're doing something that's more or less individual. So there was greater rider use of motorcycles, at least in 2020 that I've really seen in the past. And so I think that that's going to migrate into as people go, are able to get jobs again, those that lost their jobs, as people, as companies are beginning to get back in normal and paying again what they were and, and kind of some of these upsets that happen for a lot of people. As that begins to normalize, I think those people are going to go out and maybe buy nicer used bikes or buy a new bike. Um, looking at the data set in 2020, a lot of the manufacturers worldwide and U.S. took a hit for their normal sales. Uh, you know, some as much as 25, 28 percent reduction in profits uh, for the year, if not, you know, some that, that did poorly and, and had losses. I think we're going to see that flip-flop to where those that couldn't and wanted to are now going to be more likely to buy those bikes, uh, whether it's new or used. But I think we're going to see more new new bikes sold, and I think we're going to see the manufacturers, to your point, pick up manufacturing, but because their bikes are selling, and those people that wanted a bike couldn't get one because there was limited, you know, limited showroom availability because of limited manufacturing. If you want to hear a little bit about that, you can listen back to a couple episodes to our discussion with Ryan Pyle. Um, and where he's looking for a bike, but can't get one because they didn't make enough that year and they're sold out in the area in Dubai where he's at. You know, I think that's the case in a lot of places. And those people, now that they come available this year, are going to be buying them up. Right. I just say, all I'm saying is that you're not going to be able to track it very well. So I think the used market is going to be difficult to track. That's going to keep some businesses afloat. Potentially, they're going to be selling new bikes. But I anticipate that we're going to be at about a same the same plateau as far as new bike sales. Uh, I hope I'm wrong, but that's what I'm going to say. And then the used market is going to be continually strong throughout the year. So that's, that's interesting. So we got a couple of new bikes that are coming out as well. Do you got any predictions about how those are going to do? I I mean, yeah, I guess we all have our predictions, right? I I think that 
we're going to see a lot of Pan Americas on the road by the end of the year. No, a lot, a I, mean, I don't want to say that it's going to be bad, but you really think that they're going to they're going to sell out? Do you think that's going to be that hot? I don't know if they're going to, you know, I, I think they will sell out, actually. I'll, I'll go as far as saying sell out because I don't think they're doing a huge volume for year one. So because they're not going to do, you know, full Sportster production volume, I think they will sell out of their year one. I think they will sell out of pre-orders uh, as of February when they have their official online launch. I think you're going to see people putting down payments on pre-orders almost immediately. I think there is an excitement behind this bike more than I expected, quite frankly, when it first came into the market, what, three, four years ago? And people started talking and rumoring and there were pictures and cat images and all of that. Um, you know, I I think it is going to live up to what Tyler Davidson hoped it would. I don't know that that means it's going to be, you know, a, a GSA Adventure 1200 or if it's going to be, you know, a, a KTM Adventure bike. But for what everyone would expect from a Harley Adventure bike, I think it will live up to those chops. The little videos they've shown, granted, anyone can do anything for five minutes on a bike, you know, jump it across however many gaps in the sand dunes that they want, and it won't do any long-term damage because you're only riding it for five minutes. But it looks like it handled well and and has the chops on the short videos they've released. I think it's going to sell out this year. That was not really my prediction, but my prediction is I think those of us that are aware of and paying attention to the bikes that we pass and that pass us uh, throughout our days, I think we're all going to see one on the road. I think they're going to, at least in the U.S., I don't know that they're going to have very many sales outside of the U.S., and I doubt that they would, as a lot of the Harley big bikes don't necessarily. But in the U.S., I think it's going to be a bike that people see running around. I mean, I think we're going to see some. I'm not doubting that. Uh, my concern is that it's priced, I'm assuming, and we don't have any um, um, final projections on this, but I'm going to assume it's about 20000 and up, depending on how it's spec'd, and, which seems to be on par with some of the top-end motorcycles that already have, or especially adventure bikes, that have already been established. And so my question is, it, with a limited availability, are they actually going to get the number of sales that they would like to get? And are they going to go as quickly as they would hope? Or will people revert to another brand that has already been established, like the KTMs and the BMWs and such like that? So I I, I think they're going to sell, but I, I don't know if it's going to be as hot as, as they would like it to be. I think it's going to be, I think year two, or year three that we're going to see a spike in um, the Harley Davidson Pan America sales, assuming that it lives up to what they have been promoting. Interesting. Yeah. See, I kind of saw it the other way that I think year one, it's going to sell out and then it's, they're going to produce more in year two, three and so on and so forth. But I think it's going to more or less stagnate. I think those that want it are going to buy it in year one. And it's going to be roughly the same market of people each year that are going to continue to buy it. I don't think you're going to find that. That's my my prediction is they're, they're going to do really well when they release it because of the excitement and hype and the fact that nobody's got really a big V-twin Harley type adventure bike. So it sounds cool and different. So they're going to sell it. And then that same number per year roughly is going to be what it sits at. I think it'll be a, a bike that has its market and sits at its market. That's kind of what Harley does. And I hate to say that in the negative way that it's coming out but 
they have a bike that they know what they have and they know who buys it and they sell to those people. And I think the adventure bike that they're putting out, the Pan America is going to be a similar game where the people that want it are going to buy it and they're going to tell their friends that are the same people that want it and they're going to buy it the next year and so on and so forth. But I don't think it's necessarily going to rush and, and wave over the market to where every year they're going to have growth increases in some great rate. No, I, I think that you're going to have growth increases over the first couple of years. You're going to find a peak and then it's going to um, start dropping. Now, I don't know how quickly those rates are going to be or how extreme those volumes will be, but I anticipate, that's my, my prediction. And I know it's a couple years out for some of that, but I think we'll have a good feel at the end of this year as to how well it's going to do and how people have been um, perceiving and reviewing its performance in comparison to other top name brands that it's kind of competing with in a lot of ways. Sure. No, and I, I think that's kind of the, the underlying part of, of my prediction here is that unlike, you know, the, the uh, live wire where we know that they've sold a handful of them, but I've never seen one on the road, quite frankly, you know, I think we're going to see that the people that buy the Pan America ride them. And, you know, maybe just as much as they ride their Harley. So, you know, there's there's a kind of a big gap in Harley riders for some that ride, you know, hundreds of thousands of miles a year. And there's some that ride, you know, once a year. But I think we're going to see the Pan America on the road. Okay. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Uh, I'll say that you're going to be right there. I just I'm curious how well it does. And I think that's kind of where we're differing a little bit here, but uh, but not by much. I also kind of getting into new bikes for the year. I also think we're going to see the uh, the Trident take a take a good chunk of that mid class market. Um, the more I've read reviews on that, the more people that get on it and ride it, which is still a pretty limited number. They don't have demo bikes going around or or the opportunity to really go to your dealer and, and test them, even for for us or other other reviewers quite yet. But there have been a handful of people that have been either invited or live in in England where they do have a couple of, of loaner bikes for the media. Uh, and they have let a few people ride them. And, and those reviews are, are excellent. I mean, it seems like the one complaint I hear with the Yamaha seven and nine hundreds or a similar class when it comes to Cowie, Suzuki or, or Honda is the throttle control, right? The controllability of these mid mid range bikes, just due to the low cost, trying to keep it in a very accessible price range um, on a twin which is usually that 700 roughly sized bike, you know, you get pretty uncontrollable throttle. And, and that maybe that's extreme. I, I've ridden some bikes that have crazy throttle control, and I really don't think they're as bad as the media would lead them to believe. A little, uh, you know, a little practice with, with risk control, and, and they're really not like they're uncontrollable. But you end up with bikes that are a little harder to tame. And that Trident, from what I understand in every review, is incredible incredibly easy to control um so i I think we're gonna see that that triple kind of moves the the needle to trident or to triumph's favor for the uh kind of that six to eight hundred cc bike area right because what is the street triple um what is it rated at so street triple is a 675 it's that's basically the same engine so the trident has the same engine slightly detuned and more controllable they've basically refined my bike's engine into a more modern frame with lower weight, better, you know, better electronics, a nice TFT display, 
they've taken a tried and true street triple that's been around since you know 08 with incredible reliability and they've thrown it into a modern system so I, are we I think seeing going then? Well. So are we seeing? Are we going? What I'm getting at? What the reason why I asked this is because you have this new Trident 660, and, it, and let's say it does well, but it's you know never enough power for people, right? So then the next thing is, what's next? What's Triumph going to oh. do? Maybe they won't do anything, but is are they transitioning from the street triple, speed triple nomenclature to Trident? And are we going to see like a Trident, maybe 900 that comes out and is released as a 2022 model uh, at the end of the year? So obviously they've got the, they still have the street triple, which is now a 765. Um, It's a slightly larger engine, different compatibility uh, with regards to the frame and everything, right? They, They updated two years ago, I guess it's three years ago when it was released, but I think two year model year, uh, the street triple to be a much faster bike. Um, but there have been spy shots already in in England of a uh, what they believe to be 1150 roughly CC um, speed triple replacement. So there's a, a big triple floating around in a very sport bike body. Uh, if you look online for I think most of the places I've seen call it the speed triple. Um, but there is definitely something in the works right now for a large CC triple to replace that big bike market for, you know, a street fighter type bike, right. To go, to go fight with the Diavel or the, you know, some of these other Ducatis, really the only other group making these, these hot thousand CC street burners, right. These bikes that are made to just terrorize the streets. Um, and quite frankly, the speed triple has been behind that for a number of years in the similar way that the street triple has been around forever without change speed triples in that same boat. So the fact that they're thinking of updating that really goes into what you're saying, but I like your prediction or maybe your allusion to a prediction that they may not be the speed triple, right? Are they going to call it the Trident 1150? Yeah, I anticipate that they're going to keep on playing off of this new naming scheme. I don't know if it will be Trident or not, but I would not be surprised and I will predict that we're going to either see a larger Trident or that we're going to start seeing um, the naming of their motorcycles changing over the next couple of years. Potentially at the end of this year, we could see a little bit of a glimpse of what that may be. I guess speaking to the fact, as you've stated and alluded to, that um, it hasn't changed significantly and it's been around for quite a while. And I think that the name matters, and I guess it has a reputation, but I don't think that's as important as um, just the performance and continued performance and that being updated in itself. And then you can give it any name you want, especially if it has some heritage at all with the name brand. Now, I don't know a lot of Triumph. I don't know if there's anything from the past. I don't know if, if Trident was a smaller bike, and then if they named a little bit larger bike in the past, um, Hercules, I don't know. But what what would that be? And I guess that'd be interesting for me to research. But that would be my prediction that we're going to see um, a, an extension, either an extension of the Trident name into larger CC motorcycles, or um, that there's going to be a name change on the street or speed triples. That's a yeah. That's a pretty interesting interesting comment. Uh, you know, obviously with the exception of the existing speed triple. 
uh, or Street Triple. And then the the only one that's really updated that doesn't have a historical name is the Rocket 3. And I don't know what else you'd call a bike of that stature. So, you know, that one's hard to find a classic bike that, you know, is also larger than a Honda Civic engine. You know, so that, that one sits in its own class. So I understand having its own new modern nomenclature. But that's an interesting point. They've really gone back in almost every model, the Tiger, the Bonneville, the Trident, um, and the Daytona to classic names. So I could see that. I could see that. I, I, I like it. I think you've, you're onto something there. I know that's very Triumph specific. Now we're, we're, we're getting hyper uh, specific in our, in our predictions, but I think that that's a, a good point. Well, we got to have something to complain and, and poke at each other about at the end of 2021. So I'm okay <laughs> with it. You know, I mean, really, I don't, I got to make some bold ones and I got to kind of back it up to some extent. So that way we have something to talk about people to laugh at us about for the next, you know, 11 months. Oh, I think they'll have plenty to laugh at. Yeah, probably. So what do you think about Kawasaki? Are we going to see some sort of KLR 650, KLX 650? Let's say it's KLX 650. Uh, I, I don't believe that there's anything released uh, as of yet, but there's been a lot of rumors. Do you anticipate with all of this hype still centered around adventure motorcycles that we're going to be seeing a reveal of a new adventure motorcycle for Kawasaki? I think we will. Um, there's already been some discussion in the specifically non-U.S. markets, um, you know, in the in basically the, the Asian markets that that there's going to be basically a, a new version of the KLR650. Um, it does look a little more versus like with the monoshock and everything kind of going on there based on the images I've seen. But I, I think there will be a replacement for that. I think it will be likely two variants. It won't be the KLR, right? Or maybe it will. Maybe it'll be the KLR and the KLX, but it'll be the same engine, same motor plant, uh, same power plant, sorry, um, on those that will then function as kind of a a road-worthy bike or a more road-oriented bike versus a more off-road-oriented bike. So I, I think this year we will see release information. I'm really surprised. I think they were planning to originally talk about it in November of last year. If I remember correctly on my uh, my timing, yeah. But yeah. I'm surprised we haven't because you know not releasing it this year is really missing the mark. When you've got the new Tenere 700, when you've got Honda making a, a new uh, CB500X and a 750, you know you've got these bikes that are kind of in this only okay adventure but pretty good road bikes. Uh, you know touring adventure midweight bikes that are really popping up to to make a difference. And, and Cowie is really the only one not playing that game right now. Yeah, it is surprising that they're not in it, but I think that uh, I'm going to go on a limb and I'm going to say if it's going to come out this year, if they're going to reveal it, that it's going to be at a time that it, it emboldens its hype in such a way that people are, when they're getting into the market, starting in March, April, whenever that may be, that that's going to be the thing that they're going to go and check out. So everybody's gone and they've released and they told everybody it was coming and maybe it's out on the floors. I'm saying that if Kawasaki is going to do it, and I think that they absolutely need to get in the game and they need to get in it quickly, that you, you can't stand too far away from things when things take off, when the market is in the groove in a certain segment, that if, but that that is going to take place 
in March. Otherwise, you're right. I think that it'll be in later on in the year, maybe for 2022. But there was other motorcycles that they were talking about revealing, and they didn't. So for whatever reason, they held off. I can only imagine that it's for um, you know marketing publicity and trying to time it perfectly. Yeah, I mean that that's kind of the game and and quite frankly, uh, you know, we we follow the market fairly well. We really try to stay up on this stuff and that's one thing I still can't really my head for some reason I can't wrap around when each manufacturer releases their bikes. Now it's all generally in the winter, you know, between fall, winter and spring generally, right? You want to get it out before summer and that makes sense to me, but the timing specifics when each group, you know, Harley coming out in February, that that's kind of strange. Most manufacturers are, you know, November to get everybody hyped up and putting deposits on their bikes for Christmas. Um, you know, you get kind of a lot of that and, and everybody does it their own time. Cowie was planning November. March seems super late, especially for adventure bikes. The second the snow melts, people are out in the mud, man. If you want a bike that's going to be an off-road-ish bike in any way, that just seems late to me. So I, I fear that Cowie is not going to do anything until, you know, summer of 2021. And they're going to tell us about it. And it's going to be something we can buy for fall. Uh, it won't be available for the spring. It'll be a fall release, which is a little different. But um, yeah, I don't think do it helps them at all when everybody's getting uh, getting ready and saving up and potentially tax returns coming back and everything else. I mean, they did release... In November, to your point, uh, several motorcycles, I think it was five motorcycles, six, maybe they dropped a couple of those. I can't remember specifically without looking it up right now, but I, I know that a couple of them were like the KLX 300 and the Supermoto. So, I mean, they did bring out something that kind of lends itself towards the uh, that market, but not where it needs to be, not to replace what was lost out of their lineup. Now, to kind of follow along with this discussion, I know I said it last year and I and I totally missed the mark. Granted, I'm I'm calling 2020 a buy buy year because whatever you can't just call 2020 a buy year and play <laughs> yourself off. Come on. But I, I mean, to that point, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say that I think the the three to six hundred cc adventure bikes and or street bikes, these naked uh, naked street bikes that these middleweight bikes are going to take over i think a lot of people want a dual sport that's a little more roadworthy, um and in the smaller cc right because you can get a more roadworthy bike that still has better off-road chops when it's a little lighter weight so i think that you see that that a lot of manufacturers now it comes with going european epa ratings and all of this are going to these water cooled and, and kind of moving up in technology and, and emission standards are going slightly larger to make up for the horsepower losses, but probably lighter in their actual manufacturing due to tolerance and and, and material choices. So I think we're going to see mid-weight bikes continue to grow and, and take over. I think this will be the year that we see a lot more people on the sub-1000cc motorcycles running around town, both in touring as well as um, day-to-day riding. Well, I, you threw in three to six hundred. I, I, I think that three is on the small side. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna say I just don't know. I, it seems like, you know, five to nine hundred seems to be about mid midweight. And I know I just threw out a number that doesn't have a lot of uh, bikes in it for the five hundred, <laughs> but uh, still 
maybe we can talk 450 and up, but as the middleweight, and, and it really is more, I guess, to your point, the 600 to 900, I'd say, at least if we're going to talk middleweight, that's middleweight to me. Anything below that is really a small displacement bike. And I just don't see, other than just a dedicated off-road motorcycle or something that you're truly going to just go and do trail riding and maybe a little bit of on-road, like to get from one trail to the next, I don't see that doing really well when a lot of people are still working from home. And so this goes back to my initial prediction for 2021 stating that, you, you know, there's not going to be a large volume. of so I think the people that are going to be buying are going to be buying the larger displacement. I'd say the top end of the mid to the larger displacement bikes because the intent is to get out, to get out and go somewhere, not to just go to the grocery store, not to go to work. Not to go to your buddies, although that can all be done on a larger displacement bike, but not as nimbly, I guess, right, if you want to talk about it in those terms. But that those are the ones that I think are going to potentially sell. And unfortunately, people are going to want to be paying for something that's in that larger displacement category that they can ride on comfortably for uh, long trips. But they're going to want to pay the mid-range bike prices. And so I think that you're still going to see, like I said, the used bike market is going to do really well for those larger displacement bikes because of what I've stated, as well as seeing that some of the um, Japanese and non-American motorcycles selling potentially fairly well in the larger displacement categories. Yeah, I think it's going to be sub a thousand is the hot, hot spot. I don't think we're going to see too many, uh, maybe in the used market, that the used market is kind of runs all over. It, it runs the gamut pretty hard on, on all the displacements. It's really what's reliable and what is talked about. So you're still going to see used GS 1200s all over the place selling like hotcakes. You know, you're going to see the, the bigger gold wings and, and some of these big touring bikes that are, have renowned reliability still sell really well. But I think when it comes to, lightly used and new bikes i think we're going to see a lot of the kind of the point the the middle range kind of six to nine hundred cc bikes selling a lot more i think people are migrating to that i think people are finding that lower weight is beneficial they get better mileage the maintenance is lower uh you know your ability to control it is generally a little higher you can have a little more fun in the corners really there's very little missing on a modern let's just hit the middle mark there right a modern 750 cc bike there's they little that you need more than well on the longer trips they don't have as much capacity they and people are wanting to get out you have to think they've been stuck at home with their families their kids their wives whatever it may be for the last nine months the last thing they want to do is do a short commute uptown and around and go down a twisty road and come back that night they're wanting to go somewhere and they're wanting to get out and as soon as that market that trend that thought of going somewhere comes up Bigger bike makes sense to them. That's where they make purchase. No, but I think the logicality of what you're saying, or the logic, I don't think logicality is a word. You the can logic, call it a word today. <laughs> we'll add it to the dictionary. The logic of what you're saying isn't there, that a seven, a modern 750cc bike, now if we're talking, you know, older used market, sure, but a modern 750cc bike with six gears and water cooling and the fine-tuned, you know, transmission that it has, you can do anything and everything with minimal exception as a 1200cc bike or a 1600cc bike. 
you really are not limited on these modern bikes based on how they're set up with engine rev range and transmission such that it'll go as fast as you can legally go and then some anywhere. On paper, it looks great. But what I'm saying is those bikes are shorter. They're smaller. In general, they don't ride the same way as a large bike as far as a longer ride or a traveling trip across the U.S. or across, you know, some region of the U.S., that those are that's going to be a lot better for them. They're going to see that when they get on the bike, they hit the highway and how that actually handles and being able to see themselves do that and now, actually enjoy it. I agree with you. For the, the type of rider that's just going to hit the highway and ride the interstate across the country or across Europe or wherever you're going across Australia, you know, the, the big displacement cruiser type bike or touring type bike, if we're talking the Star Eluder or the, the Goldwing or the big Harleys or Indians, right? Those bikes are still by far, if you're just going straight line, minimal curves, I agree. There's no, there's no substitute. Those big cushy lounge cushion couches with two wheels are the way to go. But if you're going back roads to experience, you know, these small towns and take the quote-unquote motorcycle roads, if you're looking at a Butler map or whatever, you lose nothing on a modern 700cc bike. I mean, the seat on the new Trident is just crazy comfortable. No, there's no storage. Don't even throw that into the mix. You can't throw this. I, I like the looks of the Trident 660, but it, it is small. You look at a picture of it next to any other bike, it is tiny. There is no it space is there to go on a trip. There isn't any space. It is meant for the weekend warrior, go out, come back in, maybe do something lightly, stay at an Airbnb while you're there, maybe. But not not being able to go on a week or more trip, no. It is not much different than the bike I'm riding, right, than the Street Triple, and that's perfectly capable of everything you just said that it's not meant to do. Right, and you're finding it's short falls, though. We can't over, we can't blindside ourselves to the truth of the matter is that it, you can make it work, but you've had to custom manufacture things to make that work as well. And the seat is not comfortable and you're still fighting with that. And those are two big things that usually when you go to the right style, the right bike, that's a little bit larger, you get, it is part of the experience. That's fair. But my express, what I'm expressing is the newer, these newer bikes have better seats and have more of that. Now, I agree the, the the luggage capacity on my bike, the only way to do it with style was to make it myself. They make luggage for my bike. I just think it's ugly and I wouldn't do it because looking good is half the fun. But, you know, when it comes to these these older bikes, you do. You have to go with the right tool for the right job because they weren't as much of a multi-tool as these newer mid-range bikes are. Yeah, we'll see. 2021. Yeah, I see we'll what you're saying. I get it. And, and and they you can use a bike way beyond what it was intended, it, especially within the mid-range market. You can make that work. I'm just saying that when people really start thinking about it, the practicality of buying a motorcycle and doing what they're wanting to do this year, that I think that kind of changes the game. And that's kind of a mindset that we haven't really had, at least in the last couple decades, or at least maybe over a decade ago. That's where the mentality came from. But I... I think we've got some pretty good predictions here. I don't know. Did you have anything else that was uh, pressing that you wanted to, to try to get me to slip on? Yes. One big prediction. Oh. I predict that this year 
I get to see all the things in California that I haven't seen in the past on two wheels. Well, you already planned this. Humbly calling this the best California trip ever, I think, (laughs) if I remember correctly. Yeah. I I, I made mention of that in in the message out to kind of kick off the plan, or I guess planning's already been done, but kick off the initial leadership group here um, to get the ride going, understand our initial numbers, and, and start fine tuning it. But yeah, I think that, you know, I humbly call it the best motorcycle, the best California ride ever. So I was just kind of surprised. I, and, and correct me if I'm wrong. I know I've sat in on some of these. I haven't been able to attend one, and I'd really like to do it this year. Maybe I'll steal my dad's bike if I uh, don't have a larger bike by then. Nice. But um, if in the past, I thought that you incorporated the group a little bit more. I'm not saying that what you did was wrong or bad by any means. It uh, You've already kind of laid it out. You've kind of got an idea. We haven't seen all of the details, but at least – uh, the highlights that you've put together, I think it's, with a, which I think is awesome. But in the past, um, have we incorporated or have you incorporated more input from everyone? So this is year five. Um, I've been putting these on for five years. And year one, I basically planned the whole thing. Year two, I basically planned the whole thing. And from in, in the same way that this is. So I shouldn't say that. There, there's a lot of people that go into supporting it. Um, Dennis is a huge, uh, huge help. I know we all, we all know Dennis, but he's been one of the, one of my go-to for options and ideas. He's been to a lot of these places. And if he hasn't, he does, you know, as much research as I do, if not more on each of these locations in his free time. So Dennis is, is a really good resource. Um, by name, I'll go ahead and say that just because of how good of a resource he's been. Uh, but you know, and others I'll, I'll ask general opinions, Last couple of years, you're right, it's been a lot more of a collaborative process. And I find that the last three years of planning while doing that have really caused everything to take a lot longer and to go back and forth. And in the end, you kind of get who wants to go anyway. Uh, It doesn't really make a difference. And so having done this now for five years, I've come to the realization that setting it up, planning the route, getting everything lined up to the point where once we start buckling down numbers, we can then establish cities that we're going to stay each night. And those that want to can book their own uh, accommodations and or we can set up campsites or whatever we need to. So I've found that that making the big picture plan and even a lot more granular than that and kind of coming into even daily specific ride locations has is really the right way to go when we get into the the size groups we've had as this has grown into what it is. Right. Well, you can't accommodate for everybody. I know that some people have tagged on kind of wanted to do their own little thing, done offshoots and people can, if they really want to do that. Yep. But uh, I can imagine that a lot of people just want to get on the bike and just go and they don't want to have to think about it. They it's, they're just ready to get out of the house and go on a trip. So I can see how that would be beneficial for them. Having it already planned out and just getting to uh, hear about it and get excited about it and get together, I guess, with the group, which is a little bit different over the last you know couple of years as it has been in the past. I've I've been really interested. In, I spent a lot of time over the last few months, really, getting this ready and dialed in and, and kind of understanding, going through a number of different options, right? You start with kind of where's the rough area you want to go. Then you start to boil those top three or four down to what could you actually do in those areas. Um, and then kind of got to where I got, I found what I wanted to do here and then decided to 
add a couple days for extra offshoots that look like places I've never seen and I'd like to do. Um, and you just kind of, you boil it down a little more and a little more until you get there. Um, but that's kind of, I think long-term, it would be really fun to set up some rallies. Um, and unfortunately a rally is kind of not the right word because I'm not the kind of person that goes to a central location and does five loops and goes home. I like to keep moving to a different location most nights. Um, but set up some form of, of ride that could be more, more public, um, with nightly stays for the group, right? Everybody can ride at their own pace and everybody shows up to the same party every night so that we can all enjoy, enjoy discussing that route together. Everybody kind of buddies up and then meets together at the end. So that's kind of a long-term goal. Again, this is year five, so I'm still fine tuning the process, but, um, that's kind of where this idea came from or not idea, but this, this planning technique is coming from is understanding how to get set up in such a way that this can be an option and you can either decide to go or not, because I found the people with the most input sometimes are the people that aren't going to show up anyway. And catering to that is really frustrating when, you know, a month in advance, you can't get somebody to buckle down and they don't come anyway. So, you know, I say that, you know, that's probably why I throw Dennis's name out there is because he's definitely not that kind. He's I, I could have probably picked anywhere and he'd probably come along because he just wants to ride. Uh, right. That dude loves motorcycles and he'll go anywhere if it's with a group of buddies. So that that's an easy choice. And his opinions are also excellent and super valuable in this planning. But, um, you know, there, there's others that, that want to get really involved and then change the plans and then, you know, don't come anyway, which is frustrating. So it's time to buckle it in and, and we can make specific plans if people want to make a little offshoot to, you know, location X, Y, or Z that's basically in route, then let's do it. But this is the main plan. Right. And I guess I, I, I know that we're, we're closing in on an hour, but I have a couple points that I want to make. One thing is we've still got COVID going on. And I know I'm not trying to pound this. I'm not trying to remind people this, but for you planning a trip right now, you stated absolutely nothing about going into the hornet's nest, if you will. And I'll call that California regarding um, just concerns, issues, closures, whatever it may be. Now, we do have that in Oregon as well and in Washington, so it's not too far-fetched. But I'm stating this not just for your knowledge and awareness, but for other listeners. What are you planning to do to mitigate, to go around, to um, be in alignment with where we are at that time? So a lot of that is actually making the, because like I said, I've been doing this for a couple months to get this year's ready because I'm ready for another big trip. So this is a a seven day, six night adventure here. Um, basically that, that sees everything. It, it hits every major motorcycle road in California, whether you're talking about Butler maps or online reviews or whatever, basically every major road that people want to do by motorcycle is on this route in a seven day trip, as well as obviously big landmarks, um, that are worth seeing anyway. And so that makes it twice as hard because now you're, now I'm, I shouldn't say you're cause it's me going through and trying to figure out accommodations that will be open, you know, the best accommodation given the fact that everything's open. And then as well, what's a backup, right? If things go south, where can we go that we can still get accommodations that meet state regulations? Um, and I, I'm making the assumption that it won't be worse than it has been over the last month. We've kind of all, you just mentioned it, but in the Northwest and California, rebuckled down in the last month um, to the point of things are basically closed closed in most cases and so i'm i'm making the assumption that it won't get worse than that um 
by you know June, July, August, and some of the planning dates, we're, we're still buckling down the exact time frame. Um, but that requires me to go through and, and plan two, three options per day for accommodations, for food, and for stops, right? If a state park or somewhere we want to go is closed, then what's plan B for that day? Right. Or plan C in some cases, right? No, and I know these are things that you're kind of thinking through. It just wasn't uh, in the announcement that was to a few of us. Uh, there wasn't a lot of statements about that. So I'm sure it's going to come up. I, I know that you've planned it out. But I think it's important for listeners that may be getting ready to go out to kind of have that in their back pocket of different things that they can do, whether it be tenting or uh, I can't remember the name of the app, but I thought there was one where you could actually see people in an area and they would act. It was like some sort of an app that showed you people that were willing to have you come and stay at their house almost for free. And maybe they'd let you camp in their backyard. Maybe that's your back pocket. I don't know. Uh, Do you remember the name of that is since I'm talking about it? So the big one right now, I think, is Bunka Biker. Okay. They uh, they do a really good job. They're both on their website. I think it's just bunkabiker.com and on Facebook. But they do uh, they do a pretty good job of of a community based. I mean, riders helping other riders find somewhere to stay. Right. Okay. Okay. And the last thing that I had, uh, we may find is our ending transition, and you may find that it works out well for that. But the last thing I wanted to bring up for all those people that live in California is. Addison's really made a pretty big claim. I mean, not only the best California ride ever is the title, but he stated within it that all the best motorcycle roads in California. And so I want to hear from everybody that lives in California what the best roads are and what can't be missed. And I want to see if it matches Addison's list and we'll go from there. I agree. Um, I love it. I'm into that. That was going to be my last, uh, or not, not that statement, but a similar statement was going to be my last statement. So <laughs> let us know. Um, you know, obviously, slackermoto at gmail.com. You can just call us or contact us directly. Uh, you can always go to Facebook, leave a message, and or slackermoto.com and, and leave us a note there. Um, but let us know, specifically our listeners in California, and I know there's a lot of you. Um, let us know what the best roads are. And as the dates come in, right now we're kind of looking at a few once we buckle down a date, let us know if you're interested in joining us, even if it's just for a day or two. Uh, you're more than welcome to join and come through a loop. We'd love to have as many listeners as we can uh, join in for a little bit of the ride, if not the whole ride, if, if you can. But we're starting from from the Portland area. So if you're in California, that, that's hard to do. But if you're in Oregon and you can take seven days, by all means, come join us for the whole thing. Um, but we are. Uh, yeah, I'm interested to see that if you if you've got rides that what 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 is your best ride right what's the best road you can hit send it to us let us know uh and brad's gonna hold me accountable when we have uh, some of our final planning days as to whether those rides made it to the list absolutely gotta gotta keep uh gotta keep you on your toes until next time ride on mm-hmm.